Blog Talk Radio. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. And in the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the anchor when my sails are torn. Your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. When the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet, between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. When I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family, I can feel the rain. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. In the middle of the world, you part my soul. You alone are the anchor. When my sails are torn, your love surrounds me. In the eye of the storm, when my hopes and dreams are far from me, and I'm running out of faith. See the future, I picture, slowly fade away And when the tears of pain and heartache are pouring down my face I find my peace in Jesus' name In the eye of the storm, you remain in control
Good evening, everyone listening to Reaching Out Radio International. This is your Sister Pearl within the Word with your Sister Pearl. God bless you, Evangelist Montel Fields. Thank you again for this wonderful opportunity to share the Word of God. And tonight, I want to especially give a warm welcome to three new nations. That's the nation of Baran, Curaçao, and Belize, three new nations that we have to share the glorious, liberating gospel of Jesus Christ with. Again, Baran, Curaçao, and Belize. God bless you, and welcome, welcome, welcome. I really want to get straight into the Word tonight, because I have a lot to share with you. And so I'm going to do that. But we're going to just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and uh, illuminate our minds and our hearts as we get into this word. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you. And we come, not in our own strength or even in our own name, but we come in the name above every other name. The name that heals, the name that saves, the the name that delivers, the name that sets us free from bondage and evil and darkness. It's in the name of Jesus that we come. And Father, I'm asking you to anoint your handmaiden tonight that I can bring forth your word with clarity, uh, with fluency in your Holy Spirit that the people can grasp the word that you've given me and that they can take that word and fly with that word and be everything that you're asking them to be in these days that we're living in. God, bless the people. Bless me as your servant, delivering your word. Be glorified, be exalted in everything that's said and done. Let nothing be said that's outside of your will or contrary to what you want the people to hear tonight. Just be glorified. Captivate hearts and minds for you to love you, to follow you, to serve you all the the days of their life remaining. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So we're going to go into the word that God's given me. And the word is entitled... This is a test. Peace be still. This is a test. Peace be still. You know when you're taking a test in the natural, you don't do a whole lot of talking. You can't talk during the test. It's it's forbidden unless you raise your hand and you have a question to ask of the proctor or the teacher. But um, they want peace in that room while you're taking that test. And Jesus wants you and and me to be at peace because right now we are in a test. We're taking a test. And I want to say to you the words of Jesus, what he said to a storm. He commanded a storm to be still. He actually spoke to the storm and he said, Peace be still. Now, I'm reading from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. But from whatever uh, version of the Bible you're reading, the story goes like this. On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let's go over to the other side. After dismissing the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a fierce gale of wind developed, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling with water. And yet Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, meaning they woke Jesus up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he, meaning Jesus, got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush! Be still. Or in some of your versions, peace. Be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea Obey him. 
Now, I want us to look more closely at this familiar story found in the first three books of the Gospels in the New Testament. Even though I chose one of those books, I chose Gospel of Mark. For me, it is totally establishing, this whole story establishes who is the ultimate authority over everything in our universe. And that person is no less than the one who created the very waters which he called Jesus, our Savior and our soon coming King. Thank God. Let's take a closer look at the passage of Scripture found in Mark's Gospel. Because even though we didn't read it, if you look at verse 1 and verse 2 at the beginning of uh, Mark chapter 4, we learn that Jesus was in a boat and taught him, taught all of them, um, not only his personal disciples, but he's taught hundreds if not thousands of people from standing inside the boat in order that he would not be crushed by the multitude who came to hear him teach. Now it was after he dismissed the crowd and it was evening time that Jesus told his close disciples with him to cross over to the other side of the lake. And the Bible specifically, and I love this, the Bible says, and it says this in all of the uh, accounts of this story, whether it's in Matthew or Luke, it says that they took him into the boat just as he was. Now you have to think about this very carefully. Jesus was teaching and ministering to these people all day from inside the boat. He must have been sweaty. He must have been hungry. He must have been tired. And the natural way to go about it is before he goes across the lake and go to the other side, you would think that he would try to refresh himself and um, prepare for the next assignment that he was on because remember he was always being led by his heavenly father and so this time we see that he did not go to anybody's house to take some refreshment or to change clothing or to change even his sandals or to even wash his feet but he just went straight and so the bible says that he they took him into the boat just as he was now there are times that you and I, when we're on assignment for God, we don't we will not have a lot of time to prepare and, you know, get comfortable and remove the dirty clothes and then change into the clean clothing and we don't always have that. And so even we learn from the Apostle Paul when he spoke to his spiritual son, Timothy, in Second Timothy chapter four and verse two, he told Timothy, Look, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. So be ready when you're comfortable and you're in your clean uh, second change of clothes or not. Be ready to correct, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. God will always give us everything that we need for whatever the circumstance is to preach his gospel. And so just know that he will always take care of you. I, I like to also say that when it says that he took Jesus, they took meaning, they took Jesus into the boat just as he was. I like to think that they did not try to sanitize or clean Jesus up in order to present him to the people. As many very insecure and unstable Christians in our time seek to do. And what do I mean by this? Some of the people that, that try to evangelize and say that they're, they're sharing the gospel, they try to present a bloodless Jesus. One who did not shed blood. One who did not get dirty. One that is frail, oftentimes, or a seeker-friendly Jesus. One who seems hard up, 
you know, and he's just so desperate for people to pay him attention because he needs their attention so much. They're attempting at presenting Jesus as someone who's aching for people's attention, one who stands in the corner feeling forlorn and lonely because the person they're attempting to witness to is not paying Jesus any attention. Now, this is just plain wrong. We are the ones, you and I are the ones that are in desperate need of Jesus, not the other way around. We are the sick ones in desperate need of the great physician, whether it's spiritually sick or physically sick. Jesus is not sick, never was sick. Jesus is not the needy one. We are. You and I are. Not a one of us deserve his attention, his mercy, or his grace. However, because of his character, he is the one who goes out of his way to leave the ninety and nine to rescue us. Not because of our worthiness, because neither I nor you are worthy in and of our own selves. Thank God that he loves us and pursues us because of his great love and his character. But back to our story. They took Jesus just as he was into the boat. He didn't get refreshed. He took nothing extra. But he's going now to cross over the lake after ministering all day. Apparently Jesus being exhausted after teaching all day in parables to the multitudes who gathered to hear him at the shore. He went immediately to rest in the back of the boat. He laid his head on a pillow there and he went fast asleep. Now shortly afterward, the Bible says a fierce gale of wind developed and the waves were breaking not only against the boat, but they went over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up with water. Now, this reminds me so many times of believers, especially new believers in Christ, who wonder what in the world is going on when shortly after coming to Christ, it appears as if everything is going topsy-turvy and things begin to really shake them. Their whole life all of a sudden seems to be going contrary to what they imagined would happen soon after giving their lives to the Lord. Now, many new believers, after they give their lives to Jesus, they experience storms. Not that they had not gone through storms before they met the Lord, but somehow they got the wrong impression that now that they're in Jesus, everybody and everything is going to be easy in their lives. Excuse me. Whoever told you that this was, was the case was straight up lying. Nowhere in Scripture do we read that once you become a follower of Christ, you will have no problems. Any preacher who feeds people such lies and gives them these false hopes will have to face God. Trust me. They're going to face Almighty God one day. Those are the false prophets who like to entice people with an unbiblical and ungodly bag of tricks to get them to give them money. And they do not represent God accurately. God never told us that life on this earth would be trouble-free. But what he did promise us is found in John chapter 16, verse 33. And Jesus said this himself. These are his words. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. 
I, meaning Jesus, have overcome the world. I want to say that again. This is so important. And remember, what's our, the topic of our message tonight? This is a test. Peace, be still. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have and you will have. He says that in, in King James Version. In this world you will have. Not that you may have if it happens. No. You will have tribulation. But be courageous. Take courage. Because I, Jesus, have already overcome the world. Peace is what the world cannot offer. Can I offer you? Can I offer me? They don't have true peace in the world. They cannot give what only Christ who created you can supply. The vast difference between those who place their full confidence in Christ and those who don't is his unwavering peace. Remember that Jesus, when he walked the earth, was fully man, yet fully God. His physical body needed sleep and rest. However, I'm convinced that he knew full well what was to take place when he went into that boat and he laid his head to rest and quickly went to sleep in the stern of the boat. His disciples woke him up in a hurry and began to question whether he cared for them or not. They failed to understand who they had in the boat with them. Who was greater, the winds, the water, or the very one who created the winds and the water? Obviously, it was the one who created the winds and the water. Before responding, to his doubt-filled disciples, Jesus simply spoke to the winds. As soon as he, they, they woke him up, he didn't even talk to them first. He spoke to the, to the wind. He spoke to the storm. He said, be quiet. Peace be still. Or in some translations, like the one I read, hush, be still. See, Jesus was not afraid. Jesus was not caught off guard or in a panic. Always remember this. No matter what storm you and I may be facing or face, God is not in a panic. God is not caught unaware. He's God and he remains God no matter what storm or even tragedy happens. God has a plan. And we have to follow him to work his plan, even when we do not understand what is going on. He remains God, regardless of what we encounter. Also, remember this, that he remains good. He's a good God. So many things we will not understand this side of glory. That means before we go to be with Jesus in heaven. So many things we don't understand. One thing is very certain, however, when you and I place our lives in his hands, we confess our sins, we seek to live and honor him in our lives, and acknowledge him as our heavenly father, we become his children. He says in John chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he gave the right and the power to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So you and I, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're not just like everybody else. We, we become children of God. And, and we have certain rights. He's given us the power to become his children. Now, kindly permit me to explain something very important right here. Because I've often heard many people state something that is completely false. I've even heard people claiming to be Christians, who should definitely know better, say that everyone on planet Earth is a child of God. 
And nothing could be farther from the truth. Jesus told a, a Jewish religious group of Pharisees when he was in the synagogue, you are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer talking about Satan from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Now you can find what I just read in John chapter 8 verse 44. So God created everyone. But while he created everyone, not everyone is his child. They're just his creation. We only become his children by placing our faith and our trust in Christ. Galatians 3 verse 26 says it like this. For you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's who can claim to be a daughter or a son of Jesus Christ. Those people who have placed their faith in Christ. Again, that's Galatians chapter 3 verse 26. So we're not all sons and daughters just because we live. Because we're alive and because he created us. No. We are his children when we place our faith and our confidence in Jesus Christ. God's sons and daughters still have to bury their loved ones. Just as Jesus' disciples also had loved ones die, whom he did not resurrect. This is because all of us have a birth date and a day when we leave this world unless we are supernaturally raptured. Now, why am I saying this? Because sometimes people think that as a child of God, we're never going to see physical death. That's not true. We're all appointed a day when we're going to die unless God raptures us up supernaturally. The difference is, is that as his children, we can discern when the enemy is trying to take us out or take out one of our loved ones or others that we're ministering to before God's appointed time. Now, we can have faith and believe God to heal and to deliver. Then fully trust Him to do what is according to His perfect and divine will. Even when His will may conflict with our will. You and I must learn how to say and to do as Jesus did when He prayed to His Heavenly Father as expressed in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, Luke 22, 42, saying, this is what Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was and is still our great and our greatest example. We must always be willing to trust a very loving an awesome God who loves us to submit our will to His. Knowing that as He loves us and our loved ones and the people that we're ministering to much more than we can ever possibly care or be concerned about. Again, on the other hand, we who walk with God can discern when what is happening has nothing whatsoever to do with the will of God. See? We, we have to be in a place where we can discern God's will. But is an outright, you know, when we discern that what's going on is an outright wicked attack and plan of the enemy to frustrate the plan of God, that's why we got to go to war. Okay, because we know that, wait a minute, what's happening right here is not God's will. This is why it is all important to constantly walk and be in right 
relationship with God because he reveals his will. The Bible says be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will, what the Lord's will is. And I just read to you from Ephesians chapter 5 verses 15 through 17. So let's live daily in such a manner that you and I are able to discern God's will. There are times when God resurrected and when he allowed people to remain in the grave. In Lazarus' case, he allowed him to die and be buried. But then he resurrected him. You, you can read that story when you get the opportunity in John chapter 11. However, in Matthew 8 verse 22, Jesus told one of his disciples... I'm going to read two verses, 21 and 22. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me or allow me, permit me to first go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Now, of course, Jesus could have returned and resurrected the man's father. But we'll never know, will we? A disciple never requested that of Jesus. And bottom line is Jesus instructed the disciple to follow him. Even above the practices of the day or his allegiance to his earthly father who had died, who had perished. There were other family members who were not following Jesus, who could and would be taking care of the burial. The disciple had a greater purpose now than simply burying the dead. And that's a lesson to you, and that's a lesson to me, that our first allegiance must be to God. Amen. Returning in our story in Mark, Jesus, after quieting and stopping the storm altogether, that's when he began to ask his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, this is an excellent question for you and me to ask of ourselves, especially in the day and the hour we live in. Are you fearful? Fearful of what? Whatever you're facing, is your fear bigger than your God? A couple of weeks ago, I was preaching and teaching on whose report will you believe. Now I'm asking you the very same question that Jesus asked of his own disciples in the boat. Why are you afraid? Is it because you have no faith? You and I cannot be fearful and faithless and still consider ourselves children of God. The very first category, now listen to me very carefully. I'm not making this up. The very first category of people mentioned in the book of Revelation that John the Beloved, as he was an older man, one of the twelve disciples that actually walked with God on the earth, he describes as going... to hell a certain category of people that will wind up in hell. And before he mentioned any other type of person going to hell, the first category he says, and he talks about in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, and I'm going to read it to you. But the fearful and the unbelieving. Before he talks about the murderers and the idolaters and the witchcraft workers, before he talks and mentions about any other category of people that are going to go to hell and not make heaven, 
are the fearful and the unbelieving. Then he talks about the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, and the sorcerers, meaning the witchcraft workers, the idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, and which is called the second death. Again, this you can read of in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8. Now this is serious, serious business. Have you taken Jesus in your boat or in your life by his Holy Spirit and still remain fearful and filled with unbelief? If so, then it is high time for you to examine yourself. And let me tell you something. The Word of God teaches us as believers those who claim to be believers, to examine ourselves. Paul actually instructs the church at Corinth, the Corinthian church, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, to examine yourselves, to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or you... Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Wow. Now, I read 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. I'm going to read it again because I believe the Spirit of God would have me read this a second time. And I want you, dear heart, dear man and woman of God, to do what I am doing. I'm examining my own self. Because at the end of the day, I don't want to be lacking. The Bible tells us that whatever condition the Lord finds us in when He returns, that's the condition we will stay. So, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. And Paul tells the church at Corinth, Examine yourselves. This is self-examination. We're not talking about the pastor examining you right now. Somebody else in your family examining you right now. Your neighbors, your community or a prophet that comes to town. No. This is self-examination. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Please let's remember who our Savior is. And I encourage you to remember who your Savior is. He is the promised Messiah. Amen. He is the one who saved us from our sins. The one who gives us eternal life. Not in the hereafter, after you leave this mortal body. But if you truly are born again, you have eternal life right now. John chapter 5 verse 24 says it like this. And this is the words of Jesus himself. Truly, or for a fact, truly, I say to you, the one who hears my word and believes him who sent me has not will have, has, present tense, eternal life, right now. And so right now, I that am speaking to you, and you that are hearing my voice, through this internet broadcast, if you have heard the word of God, and you believe in the Father who sent Jesus, you have, right now, eternal life. 
and you do not come into judgment, but you have passed, past tense, you have passed out of death into life. You crossed over into eternal life at the moment you gave your life to Jesus Christ. You repented of your sins. You confessed Jesus as your Lord. So whatever you're experiencing in your present life that is trying to rock your world, trying to shake your faith, please remember that you and I have an enemy. You and I have an adversary. We have someone who hates God and hates God's people. That's a fact. The enemy called Satan, the devil, the deceiver, is a liar and he tries to roar like a lion to scare you, to scare me. He roars about like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Because at the end of the day, the bottom line, the true facts are, he does not want you to make it into eternity to be with Jesus. He is trying everything he can possibly do to hinder your walk with God. Everything possible. Because he hates God. He was trying to be like God. And he never will be. Let's just think for a second about those disciples who found themselves in a boat. And then Jesus was in the back of the boat. So he was in the same boat with them. But the storms began. The storm began. The waves began. The wind began to howl, I, I'm sure. And not only that, the water began to come inside. It was not only hitting the side of the, the boat on the outside. The, the, the winds and the way that it was rocking the boat caused the water that was in the lake to actually come into the boat. So now they're scared. Now they, 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 they don't know what to do. But thank God they had enough sense to call on Jesus. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. But yet, they were so afraid. Even with Jesus in the boat with them they thought that they were going to perish so they said don't you care that that we are perishing you know, come on Jesus there's water in the boat we're perishing now right now there are a lot of people claiming to be Christians that they're afraid of perishing I'm going to ask you point blank. See, because you don't have to answer me. You have to answer to the Lord. And you have to answer for yourself. Are you afraid of perishing? Why are you afraid of perishing is the big question. Do you not have Jesus? By the power of his Holy Spirit. Do you not have the presence of God living inside of you? Why are you afraid? I've never seen so much fear in my entire life. Never. Never have I seen 
as much fear as I see right now. Now, please, I want to encourage you. I want to admonish you. I want to exhort you. I want to bless you. I want to remind you of who you have in your life. He is the Prince of Peace. The prophet of old explains in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Remember what I said is the theme of tonight's message? This is a test. Peace, be still. Calm down. Take it easy. Rest in God. Allow all of the ruckus and the clamor around you to be still. Reach out to this great Savior who has already given us everything that we need for life and godliness. You don't need something from an ungodly government to give you life. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Go to him and allow him to counsel you with the right counsel. You know, there's a lot of counselors. I even think about the Word of God. And, and when we read the, 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 the Holy Bible, we read the Scriptures, we see that sometimes, you know, kings had counselors, but sometimes they gave them the dead wrong counsel. Now, when you go to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who is Jesus? He never gives you the wrong counsel. He will always tell you the right thing. Because he is called the wonderful counselor. He will tell you things that nobody else can tell you, even if they have the best intention, because they're not God. And so they can't perceive or understand or know the hidden things like Jesus does. That's why he's called the mighty God. He's the eternal father. He's the prince of peace. Reach out to him today and allow him to fill your heart, mind, and soul with his perfect peace. His promise to all who believes is once again found in the book of Isaiah. He says in Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3, You will keep him, talking about Jesus, talking about God, you will keep him, talking about us, talking about the followers of Jesus, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So the person who keeps their mind steadfast on Jesus, steadfast on Christ, will have perfect peace because his promise to us is to keep us in perfect peace because our minds are stayed on Jesus and because we trust in Jesus this is the secret this is the mindset of those who are neither walking living nor being led by fear contrary to many that I see today Many, thousands upon hundreds of thousands if not millions, are walking, living, and led by fear. Now for the believing saint of God, believing child of God, instead our eyes are looking unto Jesus, 
we're not looking to the world for remedies. We're not looking to the word, the world. No, we are looking to the word always. God's word. We're not looking to the world for the right advice. And God forbid, for counsel. Instead, our eyes are looking unto Jesus, who alone is the author and finisher of our faith. As the writer of Hebrews 12, verse 2 tells us, He is the author, the one who put us in the faith, and the one who will finish us in our faith. Remember that this is a test. This is a test. Be at peace during this test. Well, you might say, well, Sister Pearl, you don't know anything about my test. And of course, you're right. I don't. But I don't need to. Just like I can tell you, believe me, I can tell you, you know nothing about the testing that I go through. See, the Word of God that I was mentioning to you before, and I didn't quote it to you, but I, I, I'm going to take my time and I am going to quote it to you straight from the Word of God. Because I want to remind you that no matter what you are experiencing, God will not put you through anything that He believes you're not able to bear. Okay? He won't. Anything that you're experiencing, the Lord knows that He's given you what it takes to go through that, that experience, to go through that trial, to go through that testing. Alright? The Bible says specifically in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, no temptation has, taken, has overtaken you that is not common to man. I want to say that again. There is nothing that you are experiencing in your life right now that someone else has not gone through that exact same thing. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Somebody, somewhere on planet Earth, has gone through what you're going through and has overcome. The Bible says God is faithful and He will not allow you or let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. See, God is a good God. I love that song by Chris Tomlin. He's a good, good father. And he is. He's a wonderful father. And his plans for you are good and not for evil. So if he's allowing you to go through some difficult times, some times that you don't understand, just know this, that he's a faithful God. And He will never allow you to be tempted above your ability. But with every temptation that He allows you to experience, He will provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. Wow. That's your God. That's the God that I serve. That's how our God is. He is so very faithful. And he says to us, these are his words exactly. Remember, this is a test. So I want you, and I'm admonishing you to be at peace during this test. I leave you with the words of Christ himself. Found in John chapter 14 and verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace 
I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Now this is not merely a nice encouragement and an option for the believing child of God, the believing son of God, the believing daughter of God. This is a direct command. But our commander in chief, our high commanding chief, our head officer, he says to us as his dear children, as people in his army, soldiers in his army, after his kingdom, he gives us a command. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Wow. Direct command. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Be very aware and respectful of who is in your life with you. You're never alone. He promised never to leave nor to forsake you. You have no less inside of you, no less than the precious Holy Spirit of God. God's presence living in you. When you receive Christ as your master and your Lord. Who is your master? Who is your Lord? It better be Jesus. Not an ungodly, wicked government. It better be Jesus. It better be God. Remember, this is a test. And God is speaking to you and to your storm right now. And he's saying, peace be still. Now the peace that he's saying to be still, you can still have the storms hitting your boat. Things can still be, you know, not the way you would like them to be. But in the midst of the storm, hear the Lord speaking. Peace be still. He's speaking to your heart. He's speaking to your spirit. He's speaking to your soul. Don't let anything or anyone rock you except Jesus. And when he rocks us, he's rocking us in a loving way. Like how your mother or your grandmother would rock you in their arms, surrounding you and in, in, in holding you close to their bosom. Better than that, you have Jesus holding you close to his bosom. He'll never fail you like an earthly mother or grandmother can do. The best of them can do that. The best of earthly fathers can do that. They might have the right intention, but none of them are faultless. All of them are going to fail from at one point or the other. Jesus will never. So remember, this is a test. Be filled with faith, not fear. Be filled with trust and belief in the God who is on board your life and that loves you and has the power to do what no one else can do. Father, bless the people now as they go. I pray that if they don't know the Lord, that you will draw them to yourself, Holy Spirit, and let them cry out to you while there is still time. I bless them in the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus, who speaks to us and to our storm. Be still. God bless you. This is your sister Pearl, who loves you, but Jesus loves you so much more. Until next time, the Lord bless and keep you. Bye-bye.